Super Talk Mississippi media production. For a free record on my count, seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty from the First Bank Studio here in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Some technical issues preventing us uh, momentarily from connecting up with Luke Johnson. He's working on that uh, on his end. And uh, we'll be trying to get connected with him just as soon as we possibly can. Kelly Center will be joining the show a little later as well. Opening segment, as is every, every day, is the case. It's Monday, you can tell. Sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour, and, of course, Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week. They cook it in-house, and uh, they deliver it to your house, or you can enjoy it through their drive through window. You can just go to dickies.com, place your order before you get there. Or you could just pull right up and uh, place the order on site and uh, enjoy that hot and delicious and fresh Dickie's barbecue, cooking it up for you seven days a week. Still very, very, very important to support all of our local restaurants. All right, we're glad you're with us this afternoon. We're going to be talking a little baseball here in just a moment. Chase Horn is a former pitcher for the Golden Eagles and uh, now, as I understand, a baseball coach in the great state of Alabama. Chase, uh, glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, good. It's our pleasure to have you. We love Southern Miss baseball on this show. We're in mourning around here, of course, because we didn't uh, didn't get to enjoy our Golden Eagles. Ten games in, and it's taken away from us, Chase. I, I'm sure as a, as a guy that's uh, a former member of the uh, Southern Miss baseball program, uh, you miss it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just a tough time right now for pretty much all athletics, um, especially baseball, you know, getting cut. Like you said, 10 games in, I mean, it affects not only the college level, but now being a baseball coach myself, affected us at the high school level as well. So tell me what happened uh, with your program. How, how did you guys get the news? Where were you in the process when uh, everything got called off? Um, well, we had, we had played about four weeks in, and we were just about to start what we call area play. Um, so we got pretty much one area game in. And then we were about to play the next day um, against a very good opponent to win our area, and then that's when they cut it off. So uh, we got cut, I mean, about midway through the season, and then, you know, I just kind of feel bad for all our all our players, and especially the seniors. Right, because that's just a year they can never get back, right? Right. I mean, and um, we only had four this year, but they were doing really well, and, I, I mean, I felt confident going into the playoffs. But, you know, um, that's just how it goes sometimes, I mean. Yeah. All right, well, Chase, uh, let's talk a little bit about your career. 59 innings pitched uh, in 34 games, 47 Ks, only 22 base on balls. A uh, lot of good memories I've got to believe uh, from uh, playing college baseball at the level you played. Oh, it was great. And, again, I just I just want to thank Coach Barry. And at the time when I was recruited, him and Coach Federico and Coach Kai was uh, – the coaches there, and I just, you know, 
I was just very honored for them to at least, I mean, offer me somewhat of a scholarship and, you know, get to be able to play and extend my career. Um, and I just want to thank those guys because they gave me the opportunity to do it. And it was such a great time, especially being at Southern Miss. And that's a great university. And uh, the fans there were outstanding. And it was just, you know, it's kind of like a dream come true to get to play somewhere that caliber. Yeah, no question. Talk a little bit about the fans. I always love hearing players talk about the fan base. And, and, the, and the first couple of times they put on a uniform and, and went out on the field at Pete Taylor Park, most everybody that I ask this question says they were just blown away at the atmosphere when they first began to experience it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, being from Alabama, I, I knew of Southern Miss from high school. I was kind of getting recruited for football there when Coach Bauer was there. And then when he left, I just it kind of dwindled away. So I, I went for a visit there, but I never went to a baseball game when I got, was getting recruited. You know, Southern Miss was in like the top 20 or something in home attendance. And all, when I went up there, all the players were like, man, you got to experience it. When you first go out there, it's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, so, and first game, I can't even remember who we played. I just remember walking out of the tunnel back then behind the stadium and the stands were completely packed. All the, you know, the roost out in right field was packed and people yelling. It was just, it was an electric atmosphere, to be honest. I mean, it was something I've never really experienced before. First time you took the mound as a Golden Eagle, how fast was your heart beating? Uh, I don't even remember the whole first, that half inning, I, I don't think. I and mean, it was... <laughs> It was electric. I mean, it was just exciting to be out there. And like you, like everyone said so far, the, I mean, the fans, especially when you get, you know, the two strikes and they start stomping on the bleachers and stuff, it, it, <laughs> it really motivates you. I mean. No question. I think uh, I think we have resolved our technical issues, and I think Luke is with us. Are you with me, Luke, from the First Bank Studio in Laurel? Sure am. All right. Well, good deal. We've got Chase Horn on the phone, Luke. Fire away at him. Chase, I know it was pretty special uh, for you in that first season in 2011. It was for me on my birthday. Uh, you beat Alabama 10-6 to uh, in, a, in a weekday game. What was it like getting uh, a little revenge uh, as a team and as a, a person you know, against uh, a big SEC power from your home state? Yeah, I mean, I've, honestly, I grew up being an Alabama fan. So, I mean, getting to play them was something I kind of looked forward to and I had a teammate from um that was actually starting shortstop for Alabama at the time that I played with it um in junior college so I mean we talked a little bit but beating them was you know it was a very good accomplishment and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it beat South Alabama that year also beat Ole Miss and that was uh, of course the the year we won the conference uh, championship, um, what was it like your first year at Southern Miss, uh, being able to get a ring at the end of the year, and of course uh, advancing to a, a, a regional um, in postseason play? It was it was great. I mean, we had a lot a lot of great teammates. I mean, Todd and Colin Colin and Tyler Kaling and um, I mean Mark Bourgeois and I mean you just keep Adam Doliak, you just keep going down the line. I mean, we were really blessed and I was to be a part of this. I mean some of the great people that ever come through Southern Miss and you know um, being with them and learning from them and experiencing that because they've kind of went through it before you know uh, winning the conference it was it was just a great um, great thing to happen. 
Now you mentioned we, uh, we, we are a big fan of Brian Anthony Volmuth on this show. <laughs> yes. Just want to let he, you know, the Brian good. Anthony. Right. Yeah, he was pretty good. Bob Chase is yeah. actually a teammate of the Brian Anthony Volmuth. Right. Uh, yeah. He he didn't. Did he ever let you know that his name was really Brian Anthony? He actually didn't. I honestly, I didn't know what his name. I just knew him B A. And you know, right, right. I didn't really know what that stood for at the time. But you know, well, we he, act- he would he would he would make himself known a little bit. Yeah, we actually revealed that just on the show bit. a couple of years ago, much to much to B A's dismay. I'm sure you remember that, Luke. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, for for sure, for sure. So Chase, you 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 finish your career at Southern Miss, and then you move into the coaching ranks. What? What kind of things do you learn playing Division One college ball that you try to translate to the kids that you're now dealing with? Uh, well, I mean, it's a little bit different level. I mean, from the college ranks, you know, you, you're kind of um, looking into it as they kind of know how to pitch and stuff. So what I took was, especially me being a pitcher, I always try to listen to Coach K about hitting and fielding as much as I could because I knew I wanted to go into coaching. Just to pick up every little thing and try to the the ins and outs, just the small things to kind of help them get better. Because in my where I'm at and being a high school coach, you know, my job is to kind of get them prepared, help them figure out and understand the the technical things to help them get to that next level. So I just anything anytime one of the coaches were talking about you know base running, about positioning yourself in the infield, pitching wise, you know, I just try to take note of that the best I could and, you know, just instill that in everything that I do to prepare my kids also. And i got to believe, too, the fact that you did play at a Division One program and a really, you know, top 25 Division One program, uh, i got to believe they listen to you because they, they want to achieve what you've achieved in your life. Yeah, I mean, that does help, no lie. But, uh, I mean, like I said, I had some great coaches, Coach Barry and Coach Federico and Coach Kay. You know, they they're – Excellent, excellent coaches, and I mean it just shows by you know where they are now and Coach Barry's record and how much he's won, and Coach Federico's at ULM and Coach K's gone. I think Texas A and M. So mm-hmm. I mean, just me telling some of my kids that you know they they do listen a little bit better, and I'm like you know if I do this in college, I'm going to say it's probably going to be beneficial to you as a high school player. So then you know they buy in a little bit more. Well, Hang on, if you will, Chase. We've got a short three-minute break. i got another question or two for you. Luke may have a couple more for you as well. Uh, are you good? Can you stay with us just a few more minutes? I'm good to go. Appreciate All right, Chase Horn, everybody, former Golden Eagle baseball pitcher, now a high school coach in the great state of Alabama. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Glad you're with us on a Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke now back uh, in full force at the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. want to thank First Bank, uh, of course, for 
their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. As we also want to remind you about Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net, that's the place to go if you want some Southern Miss swag, if you want some Southern Miss apparel for your home, for your house, for your car, for your body. They've got everything for every person in your family at Campus Bookmart, now back open on Hardy Street here in Hattiesburg. And uh, if you want to shop online, CampusBookmart.net. Kelly Sander joins us later in the show. Jeremy McLean, Athletic Director at Southern Miss, back on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Of course, uh, lots of things to ask him about uh, and you know, in lieu of what we're all continuing to deal with. Our guest, Chase Horn, former baseball pitcher for the Golden Eagles and now a high school baseball coach in Alabama dealing with uh, COVID-19 as well and how it has uh, has interrupted the game that all of us love so much. Chase, I want to take you back. I got just a couple quick questions. Uh, Back to your your game days at Southern Miss. Uh, Relief pitcher, correct? Yes, sir. I've always wondered about the mentality of a relief pitcher. I mean, you're sitting out there, and generally speaking, you're watching the game like the rest of us, and then when you get brought in, there's usually a problem. Or you wouldn't be getting brought in in most cases. How did? What do you have to do to 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 go from being cold in the bullpen to stepping right into the fire and, and stepping in when there nine out of ten times is a problem on the field, or you wouldn't be getting called in? Well, as soon as the coach says go get loose, you take off 100 miles an hour, and you do. I mean, you have a routine that you kind of practice, you know, before you before the games and stuff to get loose as quickly as possible, and then. When you step out on the mound, you kind of know the situation you're kind of getting into. Um, for me, I always my goal was just to come in and throw strikes and get ahead of the hitters, and just do my best to you know try to get out of that situation with the least amount of damage possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that I've seen the last couple of years on Southern Miss baseball is uh, since, particularly since Coach Oz came in. It appears that the number of base on balls has dramatic, dramatically dropped amongst the staff as a whole. That is that the most important thing you've got in your mind when you come in as a relief pitcher is to throw strikes, not give up anything free. My and my 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 thoughts were. I mean, that's my goal is just to because you walk them. There's a hundred percent chance they're going to get on base. Um, so. My goal, was, again, like I said, was just to come in and throw strikes and just try to make my best pitches, you know, to where, you know, not necessarily to strike everybody out, but just so where if they did hit it, you know, we have a chance to get them out where they hit my pitch and not their pitch. Um, so throwing strikes, again, for me was the key because a lot of times if you walk, walk them, I mean, it usually comes bite, comes back to bite you. So um, me personally, that was always my goal, just to come in, those strikes and make them hit the pitches that I wanted them to hit. Mm-hmm. Do you block out the crowd noise and all the stuff that's swirling around you, or do you embrace that atmosphere if you're if you're pitching at the peak? Let's say. Uh, well, me per I, I did a little of both. You know, when I was going out there, you know, especially the warm up hit pitches, you got that adrenaline going. I like to hear the crowd a little bit. Then, but as I'm focusing on each pitch, I do my best to block it out. But sometimes, you know, you just can't help it, especially, like I said, a big situation. you got two strikes on the batter, and everybody's jumping and banging. You know, <laughs> you, you're dribbling. You can't help but hear that, and it, it kind of gets you going. Yeah, it's a rowdy bunch at Pete Taylor Park on a given night. It is. I mean, I, I loved it. So, <laughs> All right, Luke, what else you got for Chase Horn? Uh, 
Chase, a couple more questions for me. You know, it, it, it was talk, you were talking about you come in and, in, a, in a difficult situation as a reliever. We all know how funny baseball players are and how funny, like, pitching staffs are and just baseball players in general. You guys are just uh, wired in a very unique way, and people really enjoy it. Were there some days where when McInnes is on the mound, you know you're not coming in. There is no chance in the world he's just going to mow people down. He's going to strike out eight, nine guys, go eight innings. Was there ever a joke on the pitching staff, like, when this dude starts, like, all right, guys, get ready about the fourth inning because it's all going to get rough there? Well, I mean, you know, Todd, especially, you just sit back and watch him, you know, and just try to take notes. And then as soon as Todd finished, here comes Colin. So you knew that day you wasn't going to pitch. So, uh, yeah. and then the next day, you know, we had some pretty good pitchers after Todd, too. But, you know, you just, you just try to prepare, you know, hopefully today's your day. But, you know, some days you might go a whole weekend without pitching because our starters did such a good job. And then, again, with Colin there, you knew, you knew when he came in, it was pretty much shut down. So I was just hoping to get a chance to pitch whenever I could. We we love Colin Cargill on this show. If you saw him now, you would never realize that he was the shutdown ace that he was coming out of the pool. No kidding. I hadn't seen him in a long time. So Right. He's bald now. Was he bald then, Chase? <laughs> he was, it, it was getting very close to um, no hair, but he had a little bit on, he had a little bit on the sides. Well, he has Zippo now. Zip. <laughs> we we love Colin. But last question for me, Chase. You know, you, you think about uh, in the state of Alabama where you are, baseball obviously is second fiddle uh, to football. And but but what I've been amazed by in in the state of Mississippi, and you having played baseball um, for a few years in the state of Mississippi. Baseball means so much to the people of Mississippi. You saw that firsthand, didn't you? I did. I mean, it's I mean, it's Southern Miss again. Everywhere you went, you saw baseball stuff, and every night, it didn't matter if it was a Monday night, Tuesday night, I mean, weekend series, whoever we played, I mean, the stands were always packed, and even when we would travel to Ole Miss, you know, and played there a couple times, and at um, Mississippi Braves State, Trust Smart Park, I mean, no matter where we went, it was packed, and our fans traveled, you know, as good as anybody, and uh it just went to show how much they really cared about baseball. And, you know, that kind of helped me want to do everything I could to, you know, do my best to help the team out and support our city and um, university. Yeah, that's good stuff, Jay. So uh, what, what are the plans real quickly? What, what are the plans for your program right now? I guess there's really very little you can do. Am I right? Yeah, right now I'm actually – right before I got on uh, with y'all, I was – calling some coaches to get our area games and trying to get some games scheduled for next year, which is always a problem. you got to try to fill in all these dates. But right now you can't really do anything. You just hope they're staying in shape and um, getting ready for hopefully we can do some stuff this summer. You know, is the school – let me ask you this one last question. Is the school where you're you're teaching and coaching, are they moving forward right now, planning on football this fall, or is that too on hold in Alabama like it is here? Uh, it's hard to really tell right now. I think they're planning on having it in the fall, but again, they said um, they, it might get pushed back. Um, but there's not a whole lot to really know right now. Just um, just hopefully we get to play football, and then everything else falls into place. Right. Well, Chase, we really appreciate your time. Great interview, and enjoyed visiting with you. And uh, wish you the best of luck in your coaching career. 
Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Chase Young, Chase Horn, everybody, former relief pitcher for the Golden Eagles, and uh, that's pretty good. When Todd McGinnis is pitching, uh, you don't figure as a relief pitcher you're going to get much time on the mound, Luke. That That's a coach's dream, is it not? You'd like to have five or six starters like that. McGinnis, one of the top, probably top five greatest pitchers in the history of Southern Miss. Just looking at uh, what we were talking about, the the statistics from the uh, 2011 team, Todd McGinnis with a 2.65 ERA, eight wins, 87 strikeouts. The only man greater than Todd McGinnis in ERA that, uh, that year, Colin Cargill, .93 ERA <laughs> for Mr. Cargill. <laughs> and, and he had hair. And he had a little hair back then, too, apparently. He did. Yeah. He did. A little bit. Yeah. Well, we appreciate Chase Horn joining us uh, on the Eagle Hour. And uh, it's always fun, Luke, to talk to these former baseball players. There's one thing about it. I don't know that we've ever – I don't know that we have ever talked to a baseball player that didn't say his first couple of times uh, showing up at the Pete after playing in high school, he was mesmerized by the crowd and the atmosphere. You're your former college athlete – is is it hard to overemphasize how important crowds are to uh, college athletes and how much athletes in any sport really can feed off the enthusiasm of their home crowd? Yeah, I mean, in, in football you expect it, you know, but baseball is is literally to pun intended. It's a hit or miss deal. It is. You go some places and you go most places, and there there's not enough fans in the stands to provide what would you know cons- uh, constitute an, an atmosphere. That's all changes at Pete Taylor Park. And it is the reason why so many kids from out of state, so many kids uh, will transfer. We saw that this year, a kid coming from Arkansas, why some of you know the best JUCO players want to come, people transfer from the SEC. It's because when they play a game at Pete Taylor Park, they see that it's not an ordinary venue. It's not an ordinary uh, you know, atmosphere. There really is atmosphere there, and, and it's all because of uh, what Coach Barry puts on the field. But it speaks to here in Mississippi, particularly South Mississippi, we love the game of baseball. There you go. All right, Kelly Center. We'll find uh, Kelly, bring him on the show, talk about the NFL, talk about a big retirement in Conference USA Baseball that was announced just a few minutes ago. Other things as well, so stay with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Monday. Thanks for Chase Horn joining us, former relief pitcher for the Golden Eagles, not a high school baseball coach in the state of Alabama. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located right next to the University of Southern Mississippi on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, home of the 895 curbside lunch, being served hot and fresh for you right now. Check them out on Facebook, and you can see what that daily lunch special is for today. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. 
And a cloudless, beautiful downtown Laurel, Mississippi, Bob Getty. It's a Monday, and some wild news over the weekend affecting a Conference USA Baseball. A legend is uh, cleaning out his locker and going to the house, Bob. Uh, no question. Uh, Brian Shoup, head coach at UAB, has been a guest on this show two or three times. A great, great guy. And uh, really a, a legend, no question. 31 years of college baseball coaching, 1,061 career victories. Uh, came to UAB from Georgia Southern, well, Birmingham Southern, I'm sorry, where he won the 2001 NAIA National Championship at Birmingham Southern. Uh, he compiled just tons of victories at uh, UAB. Of course, Ron Polk, who he who Coach Shoot played for at one time, uh, an assistant on that team, a volunteer assistant. Uh, he's a really, really great coach. But, but I'm going to tell you something, guys, that jumped out at me and Kelly, I'll, I'll get your take on this. Uh, Kelly's with us now. Uh, as great a coach as uh, Coach Shoup was, and, and indeed he was really, really a, a fine uh, college baseball coach, 14 years at UAB. He won the Conference USA Championship in 2012, named Conference USA Coach of the Year in 2014, and uh, won the Jerry Kendall Character Award of College Coaching in 2015. So a great career, but one championship in all of those years, while our coach, Scott Berry, was aiming for his fifth consecutive championship this year when COVID-19 set in. Uh, it's just hard to underappreciate uh, and not give enough uh, appreciation for Scott Berry, Kelly Center. And Scott Berry's the kind of guy that would say, well, yeah, thanks, but... You know, my assistant coaches, you know, who some have come, some have gone. But, um, you know, he would be humble enough to say that. But that's always the case. You know, you, you, the old adage that absence makes the heart grow fonder or you never know what you had till you lose it. You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good gesture for everybody to, to appreciate the fact that, uh, that Scott Berry and, and his crew have, have done what they've done. Right, um, and then and sometimes just because a coach has been there, like like Stoop has been was there for a long time, um, sometimes a change isn't always good. And heaven knows, <laughs> don't we know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say we we've learned that as well. But you, you know, but this, the thing about this COVID nineteen, and you guys, it's not just it's not just coaches, and I'm sure you guys could cite people that you know. I mean, a lot of personal friends that I have who have been doing what they've been doing for a long, long time have have really been pondering now. Do I go? Do I go back to this? You know, do I go back to what I've been doing? Should I retire? Should I do something else? Mm-hmm. It is amazing how much introspection has has taken place um, when you have a little bit of time on your hands. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. There's just a lot of it. Seems to be a lot of it going on, and coaches are no different. No, yeah. I, th- I think that's a I think that's a really good point. I, I know people myself. You're right. Uh, that kind of wonder, you know, how, yeah, how long is it going to be before things are back to quote unquote normal? Do I really want to venture into this, you know, this brave new world if I don't have to until right. things are back to normal? And uh, maybe I, we don't know if that had anything to do with Coach you, but you have to believe that, you know, sitting out now a whole another year. And, right. it, it, and and maybe if he were maybe if he was thinking about getting near the end of his career and retiring, uh, sitting out an entire year may may have been the catalyst. And and really, Kelly, God, I hate to say this, but really, uncertainty about next year. Nobody really knows for sure. 
No, and, and, and that's what some business owners have said. They say, you know, it took me so long to, to get my business to where it was. And then something like this takes it to its knees, just just pondering their human frailty. They've said, I, I don't know that I have it in me Correct. to do it again. Correct. You know? So it's it's really going to be a new a new world. Um, no question. It's going to be different than than before it happened. And I, I do have some you know updates in, in pro baseball today, you guys. You know that it has been uh, reported that the major leagues, and we've talked about it on this program, that the major league players looks like they're, like they're going to get back to work playing in earnest that first week in July. But now, of course, any any proposal that the that the uh, union makes has to be approved by the major league players union and. And the owners want the players to, to take another pay cut um, because they're thinking now maybe they're only going to get about 80 games in. And the players, I'm not saying it won't pass, but some of the players are kicking back now saying, hang on now. Uh, we already took a pay cut early in this deal and um, don't know that they want to take another one. And that would be, you know, golly. If, if And I, I would really think the players understand how important it is to get back to, for the country's psyche. Um, but at any rate, what looked like it was really going to be a smooth, a smooth course to getting back to playing baseball now has a bump in the road. So let's hope that uh, that they can get that worked out. But again, most teams associated uh, with Major League Baseball have been called back June June fifteenth for an abbreviated uh, spring training, and then maybe get to yeah. playing July first. And you know they they tested um, they've tested some six thousand employees of Major League Baseball, 6,000 employees and only 60 tested positive uh, for the coronavirus right now. So that certainly is a pretty good percentage and encouraging as far as getting back to work and keeping everybody safe in Major League Baseball. But the NASCAR guys will be the first ones to go back full-time. Of course, there won't be any fans in the stands this coming weekend, but real live people in real live cars on a real live track this coming Sunday. And somebody was joking me this morning, a banker friend of mine. Of course, I know you guys aren't surprised that I have banker friends. No, no, we know where you live, Kelly. <laughs> but, they, but they were saying, you know, I've, I don't have any redneck in me, but I'm going to be watching this weekend. You know, the NASCAR ratings are going to be through the roof this coming Sunday, I would imagine. You know, and they and they race it's, in these gigantic facilities. How weird is that going to be to see a, what, a 100,000-seat facility empty yeah you know it, it happens more often than you think bob because lots of times uh the race cars you know they can't they can't go in the rain of course all right so you've got you've got the whole weekend set up to race well if it rains and they can't run it until monday well the fans have to go back to work you know right so there's there's just a handful of people in the stands usually but, but the drivers are, are, are kind of used to running you know certainly more so than other athletes they're they're used to more used to running with few, if any, people in the stands when they have to run on a Monday. So, right. um, but just just to get back to something live, PGA yeah. Tour is going to get going back again in the middle of June. They're going to start playing, and uh, so looks like it. Looks like we're getting closer, guys, day by day. Go ahead, Luke. You were going to say something. I was, you know, there is redneck in me, but I have never really watched NASCAR. But Kelly, you got five races in fourteen days. They got Darlington. Uh, so this Sunday at 3.30, and then they got uh, another Darlington race Wednesday, the 20th. The Coca-Cola 600 is the 24th, then they, the race again at Charlotte on May 27th. Then they got the Kansas 400 on May 31st. That That's incredible. I mean, that's five live races in 14 days for the sports world. 
And you know what's kind of interesting too, Luke, is that we kind of joke about NASCAR. You know, having, of course, I got a lot of redneck in me too, and I enjoy—I really enjoy racing. But do you know what what school in Mississippi has produced more drivers, professional race car drivers, than any other school? <laughs> do so, tell. Ole, Ole Miss. Really? Believe it or not, yeah. Uh, Robbie McGee used to drive on There's the There's not IndyCar. one person that owns a Sperry in NASCAR, though. A pair of Sperrys in NASCAR. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> and they, well, don't, and they don't drive with blazers and khaki pants and no socks, Kelly. Well, they might, it might be covered up in their, in their race suit. You, you, know, you don't know. Could be. But, uh, but Robbie McGee um, is an Ole Miss graduate, and he used to drive the IndyCar circuit full-time. And now Tommy Joe Martins, um, who is a he's on the NASCAR circuit, uh, and Tommy Joe Martins drives full time, so you got Ole Miss, who you know you, you would think they'd be the last people to be producing redneck car drivers, but <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've got their share too. So, uh, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Oh uh, well, you know they, they have their share. Walk around Walmart one day, and my and, and the, ju- the junior colleges uh, are are saying that that it looks like they're going to at least maybe. Start start opening the campuses, you know, for in August first, maybe. And the high schools around the area have been notified by the MHSAA that June June first, that's in a couple weeks, they have permission to open their campuses. No way uh, that happens. What? Well, that, yeah, no way. That they're gonna that they're gonna have to practice their football players ten at a time, <laughs> ten at a time. And so, if, if coaches want to do that. They'll have to be there probably from at the school from probably seven in the morning until about uh, ten o'clock uh, at night. So, are you still predicting no high school football, Kelly? I, I am, Bob. And again, I hope I'm wrong. And man, have I taken a bath from people saying that, that they hope I'm. And I hope I'm wrong too, but I, I just don't see it. All right, we'll uh, continue with uh, Kelly Sander on the other side of the break. Eagle Hour rolls along. Don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. Go online and search their entire inventory. Filter it. You can, uh, whatever type of car you want, SUV, truck, uh, filter it by exterior color, interior color. You want leather seats. Look it up, toyotahattiesburg.com. They can help you with uh, any Toyota product, some of the best cars in the world, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly John Center continues to join us. And uh, right before we came back on air, Kelly, uh, just let us know out there in um, the, what shall, what shall we call it today, the Eden mm-hmm. of Canebrake, uh, mm-hmm. a nice boating trip. Jeeves uh, did all the hard work yesterday. Mm-hmm. Didn't know he was a boat captain on top of being a chef, Kelly. No, I'm the neighbors. The neighbors had me out. And uh, so, you know, they were taking their children and uh, tubing out on the lake. So 
I said, you know what, I'll, it's a nice day, I'll, I'll get in the boat. But um, So I get in the front of the boat, and the, the, the captain says, I'd, I'd really rather you sit in the back because the boat works better when the engine is in the water. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Kelly, did you have on the, the little sailor's hat, you know, the captain's hat, the white shorts and the deck shoes? Yeah, from some of my old miss buddies. I got the deck shoes from the, <laughs> some, of my, some of my old miss buddies. Hey, you guys, we always got the chance. And I know this is going to kind of be out there. Bob's going, uh-oh. Uh, and I know we don't often talk about political stuff, and it's not a national political thing, but I just personally want to make a comment about the situation with Brett Favre and the, the allegations against him. And um, I promise, Bob, I'm not going to get anybody in any trouble. I just want to say that I know Brett Favre personally and have known Brett since he was, you know, quarterback and over at the school. And have known now he's not like, it's not like we hang together 24-7 or anything like that. But I know him well enough, and I, I was shocked to hear about those sorts of things that, that has been alleged against him. I know about a lot of things that he and Deanna have done privately and anonymously to help people in our community, both young and old. And I'm just saying, there, there is no way, in my opinion, in my opinion, I know the man well enough that I'm confident to say, there is no way that there, there was a misunderstanding or, or a miscalculation on somebody's part, but there's no way that Brett Favre would ever knowingly do what he's being alleged. That's not Bob's opinion. That's not Luke's opinion. It's mine. But I'm just saying that, that just... Totally counter to any Brett Farm that I know. Well, I, so I, I I would agree, and I would say this too, Kelly. I saw a lot of people already, you know, basically convicting him on social media. We, I think, we still live in a country where you're innocent if you haven't been proven guilty of anything, if you haven't been charged with anything. There's no right. indication that there's even remotely anyone thinking of charging him with anything. I, you know, the, I'd say let it go. I think the bigger question, and I saw this in the uh, Clarion Ledger over the weekend, was a question posed to the reading public, and that is, does the university have an obligation to pay back the millions of dollars, and I forget how many millions of dollars, allegedly that came from this from this uh, poverty right. organization to build the the volleyball facility does the university right. have an obligation to pay that money back the opinion in the article i read from the response was unanimously yes but that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a story that'll play itself out in, in the I months just, to come it, it, there are just so many times that brett and deanna have done things anonymously and obviously you do things anonymously because you don't want people to know you know that that they're but they have been so gracious to particularly high school kids in the area, who have had opportunities to do things that they couldn't afford to do. But Brett and Deanna secretly made sure that they had had the funds to do that. I've seen it firsthand. And I'm just saying it would be totally contradictive to any behavior of Brett Favre that I have ever seen. Uh, And, and of course, because he's a celebrity, because he's in the limelight, because he's a a big-money superstar, everybody is is quick to... to, and, And he understands that, I'm sure. I'm just saying that in my dealings with Brett Favre, he has always been decent. He's all, all been very you know understanding, very accommodating. 
and I just I just wanted to go to bat for him because I that just does not at all sound like the Brett Favre that I know. Was he on and the Was he on the boat trip yesterday with you and no, James? No, no, and no, he wasn't. Else? He, he okay. wasn't. But honestly, this goes back to last week. I really wanted to say this last week. Um, that and I wish I could go into details about the times that he's helped people, but that's not that he wouldn't he wouldn't want that. Right. You know, um, and I'm sure he feels bad that that. Whatever the misunderstanding is out there, and of course, immediately when all that broke, he said, "Well, we'll take care of it. We'll get, get the money back." You know, um, I yeah. hate it. I hate it for everybody involved. But it, that is not the Brett Favre I know. Uh, all right, Luke, um, ten seconds. Bob, Final to, Bob to your point, Bob. Bob to your point about the uh, the volleyball stuff, and I don't know all the details, but you know, I, I was my assumption and the way that I understood that the College Board of Mississippi actually approved that money. Right. So if that's the case, then the university would be clear in that sense. And that, it's the biggest question. Who knew? Who approved it knowing? Who, you know, was conscious of all that? That's where it lies, not with someone that, that spent it or built it in good faith. Right. All right. Well, speaking of Jeremy McLean on the Eagle Hour tomorrow, and we'll try to keep him for as long as uh, he has time to talk to us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Kicking off another week back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.